This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. On pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I am Dustin Gold right here on pain.tv slash gold. You are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. This is episode 159, part five, ladies and gentlemen, part five. And as you know, we're over here, we're breaking down the uh, exponential growth of the data centers, the heart and the brains of the smart planet, this matrix, this technocracy that we're living under. And it looks like there are no plans to stop building this. They have an army of scientists and engineers and technologists and programmers and developers and software technicians out there just building this, putting up the poles, putting up the 5G replicators, putting up the smart poles, putting up the fiber lines, And they want it spread far and wide. Everyone needs to be included in this system, folks. It's a system of inclusion. The worldwide government. And if you don't believe we live under a worldwide government, go look at how many countries are under the central banking system. Go look at the World Federalist Society. Go look at the World Constitution. Everything that came to fruition during World War II, the world government. It is here, it has been here, it is not a secret, and it is not a conspiracy theory. All right, let's look at uh, back here at uh, datacenterdynamics.com. We're looking at New York. It says skyscrapers have been a part of New York's skyline for more than 100 years. And if you are putting a facility in Manhattan, you won't have the luxury of a ground floor location. You are unlikely to have a new build. Uh, Intergate Manhattan at 375 Pearl Street has been repurposed multiple times. This 32-story building, which casts its shadow on Brooklyn Bridge, was originally owned by New York Telephone, followed by Bell Atlantic and then Verizon. Sabi Data Centers bought it in 2011, but it's still frequently referred to as the Verizon building, because Verizon still has three floors in the facility and pays naming rights to keep its signage at the top of the tower. Each floor is 14 to 23 feet high, which is unusually tall compared to most high rises. Had it been a residential block, Integrate would have been around 50 stories tall. When Sabi took over the facility, it planned to develop 1.1 million square feet of data center space. But according to Sabi Vice President Dan Melzer, quote, the market just wasn't ready for that, end quote. 
Instead, the company fitted out 450,000 square feet of technical space, and the remainder was repurposed as office space. This was only possible in the upper half of the building, however, as half of the space has no natural light built with telephone equipment in mind. That's because they have no uh, windows in these things, folks. There's several of these floating around New York. And uh, the warehouses you're seeing up go uh, up all over the country and the world. They obviously do not have windows either. It says, while some tenants get the full service, including power, cooling, and managed racks, one customer in particular, which incidentally operates the New York subway wireless system, only leases power and water from the company and manages its own facilities. Underneath the data center floors are the chillers and generators needed to run them, including an 18-megawatt substation to support one of the company's so-called turnkey customers. Uh, My guess is it would be a, a government. It goes on to say the building has a massive freight lift to carry heavy equipment up and down the tower, and its data center features extend underground beneath the reception and loading dock floor to a tank holding enough fuel to run the servers for 72 hours in an emergency. Quote, we have the capacity for 180,000 gallons of fuel, though we don't need that much right now, end quote, Meltzer said, as well as 270,000 gallons of water. By law, quote, since 9-11, you know, end quote, all fuel across all buildings in the city must be stored on the lowest floor. The company shares its fuel resources with its trusted neighbor, the New York Police Department, whose headquarters are adjacent to the tower. On the very top of the building are the company's cooling towers and cooling plant and an antenna for wireless carriers. <laughs> oh, folks, the data, the data, the data. The data, the data, the data. They have so much data, they don't even know what to do with it. It goes on to say, less than a mile away, 60 Hudson Street is one of downtown Manhattan's uh, architectural marvels. Again, repurposed multiple times since its days as the headquarters of the telegraph company Western Union. The company relied on it being near the AT&T building, a similar looking monolith of a tower for its communication lines. But in what was a residential neighborhood in the 1920s, the building's wide, square plinth of a structure was engineered to support heavy equipment, and its floors are linked by pneumatic communication tubes. Quote, the building sort of recycled itself for today's age, end quote, explained Dan Cohen, senior sales engineer for current resident digital reality. We've uh, saw them come up in the top 10 data centers list. Goes on to say the floors hold heavy racks with ease and, quote, a lot of those pneumatic tubes are now being used for fiber, end quote. Co-location within 60 Hudson dates back to Telks, a company which started out offering connections for telephone calling cards in the 1990s. Telks began leasing space in the building in 1997, to offer a neutral interconnection facility and expanded into other suites, taking over data grid in 2013. 
Inside 60 Hudson, Talks, quote, basically invented the concept of a meet me area, end quote, Cohen said, quote, instead of having various types of type two circuits, we thought, quote, why don't we create a meeting room where carriers can meet customers, end quote, and the rest is history. Digital Reality, one of the world's most successful co-location providers, bought Telks in 2015, giving it control of the 5th, 9th, 11th, and 23rd floor. The walls are owned by a real estate firm. The co-location provider's scope for expansion isn't clear, quote, I would hope, end quote, he said, but, quote, they don't really tell us much, end quote. Now, it's all a secret. <laughs> 60 Hudson houses 13,000 cross connects of an estimated 25 to 30,000 in New York. Most nearby submarine cable traffic passes through the building and across multiple North American carrier U hotels, digital reality processes 70% of all internet traffic. All right. DCD visited the building and on the ninth floor alone digital has four meet me rooms it is visibly jam-packed full quote though for the most part everything has moved on to fiber this is a place of relics quote ds1 circuits ds3 t3 t1 circuits all still active end quote digital reality repurposed the fifth floor in 2014 after passing on it several years prior out of concern that there wouldn't be sufficient demand to fill it Quote, then it became more expensive later on, and we kicked ourselves, but it was still worth it, end quote, because they need more data. I mean, the data's ever-expanding. I mean, this is a good investment, folks. Though it appears empty, the floor is largely leased already, as customers tend to pay for power capacity rather than space, and they are commonly overzealous in planning for future needs. Quote, we can't sell power that we don't have, right? End quote. Diverse connectivity and fiber serve the floor, as well as DR's in-house fiber to connect latency-conscious carriers with their customers. Then we look at London, folks. I'm not going to go through all of London. But they have Telehouse North 2, six data floors. It's like a space-saving tower system that could tuck neatly on the floor. All right, then we have Singapore. Facebook is planning an 11-story center in Singapore at a cost of $1 billion. No surprise, it's a major economic hub on a tiny island with eye-watering real estate prices. The only surprise is that it's taken this long to reach this stage. All right, the first deployment of the new state point liquid cooling system developed with Nortec is expected to allow an annual power usage effectiveness of 1.19. This facility is 170,000 square meters. All right, so multiple things. They have Huai and Kepel data centers. Uh, now you have in Hong Kong, uh, no surprise to find data centers building upwards in Hong Kong, a city where a shortage of real estate famously caused Google to halt operations on a data center in 2012. Both Amazon and Google are building there now, despite the chronic shortage of land in the city. Local players understood the nature of the real estate market well before then. In 2001, uh, Sunavision opened the Mega One building, a 30-story purpose-built data center which is designed to house over 4,000 racks with total gross floor space of more than 350,000 square feet. And there's more here. 
obviously in northern Virginia, they've got plenty of space there, uh, but they're even starting to build. They've got a three-story data center in northern Virginia. The shell's been built and will ultimately have four 2.5-megawatt halls on each floor, but is being filled on a segment-by-segment basis. So they're doing this stuff. What do we have in McLean? Uh, okay, let's let's go past this. Then in Amsterdam, we've got a $190 million eight-story Equinix data center. Towers over Amsterdam Science Park. AM4 opened in 2017. Goes on to say, moving up, what changes? It may be immediately obvious what changes when a data center moves up. Most facilities are still built with a raised floor capable of holding the weight of heavy loaded IT racks. These have to be installed on higher floors. The doors, corridors, and lifts have to be specified to handle heavy equipment. And if there are multiple tenants on the site, there must be a protocol to allow them access to these wherever they need them. Some sites may even have backup lifts, so there's no single point of failure in getting kit to the cabinet. Uh, power and air conditioning, and so on and so on, folks. Uh, point being, we are building up, right? So we're building these warehouse data centers everywhere. We're building underground data centers all over the place. We're building skyscraper data centers, and we're building data centers out on barges. Uh, let's just take a quick look at one other skyscraper project that caught my attention. I mean, folks, again, there's hundreds upon thousands of these. I could never go through them all. You wouldn't want me to. It would be boring. The point being, they are building it out. This is the anatomy of the technocratic system. It's everywhere. You probably haven't heard of all this. You probably haven't researched it. I've never heard anyone else talk about this. I don't even know if this is boring to folks, but to me it's quite interesting because it allows me to understand what's actually happening, how they're doing it. Remember, uh, I don't know who read, was Mike Rowe the voice of uh, how things are made? I love to know how things are made, especially this worldwide technocratic government. It interests me to understand how these bad guys are pulling it off. Folks, I'll be right back. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. We are just unloading the data on you on data. On data. The nodes in the system. All right, let me show you. This This was just interesting. I wanted to show you uh, as we move towards closing out this, this whole long segment on uh, cloud computing, data, data centers. I am eventually... Over the next episode or two, I'm going to get into the the metals and the tech and everything that helps uh, build this, what goes into the servers and everything else. And then you guys will have a solid understanding of the infrastructure of the system and how these folks plan on running 
the technocracy. You know, I said I wanted to explain this. I don't want to talk in abstractions anymore using World Economic Forum videos of smart cities. I want to break it all down. We've showed you multiple smart cities, multiple smart tech sensors, everything else that are going up so you folks know what it is. And this is all part of it. This is where all of the data goes. This is how it's housed, processed, analyzed, and uh, will be used against you. So let's look at uh, computerworld.com. This is an article actually from April 2016. So this goes back quite a ways, folks. This is by Patrick Thibodeau, envisioning a 65-story data center. Architects break free of box-like data center designs to create a tower-shaped sustainable structure. All right, so there's a, an image here, basically a cylinder with all of these, uh, looks like, I don't know, servers that, that line the walls and stuff. But it's interesting. It says, because uh, I, I like to know where they're going with this. They employ all these engineers, all these people that work for the technocracy. It says, two Italian architects have designed a data center that challenges how the structures are built. Instead of constructing a flat, sprawling complex, they are proposing a data center that reaches skyscraper heights. At this stage, the data center designed by Marco Merletti, who works in Paris, and Valeria McCurry, who is in Rome, is just an idea, but it's gotten recognition. The pair, who are both 28, recently received third place honors in the annual skyscraper competition held by architecture and design journal Evolo. From a visual perspective, the circular futuristic-looking data tower, as Meriletti and McCurry call it, almost seems like something out of Star Trek, but it incorporates sustainable technology for efficient, uh, efficiently cooling hundreds of thousands of servers while increasing reliance on automation. Its ideas are grounded in existing technologies. Now, folks, again, if these guys... All the same people that tell you about climate change, pollution, etc., were interested in saving the planet from such. This would end, all right, the concept of technocracy, a world of technology, a culture of this technological garbage would end. They would end it. They would have called for ending it a long time ago. They would be preaching the same thing that Ted Kaczynski, Theodore Kaczynski, the Unabomber, talked about. They'd be saying, okay, uh, we tried this, but it's time to return to wild nature. Uh, what we're building is not sustainable. So instead, they're saying, no, we're moving forward with this technocratic prison planet, but don't worry, we're going to make it sustainable. We're going to do this in harmony with nature as we use technology to handcuff nature, uh, to destroy nature. That's what they're doing. This is the merger of the biological, physical, and digital worlds. This is Zephos Industrial Revolution. This is what it's all about. If they were really interested in saving the planet, they would end this madness today. Goes on to say, quote, data centers today contain the majority of our knowledge, our personal information, our culture, and our history. End quote, Merletti said, the content is, quote, indispensable to us in every moment of our lives, end quote. So what the technocrats are is they are data pack rats. They are data pack rats. And they're admitting knowledge, personal information, culture, and history are all stored there. What's stored in data can also be manipulated, folks. But anyway, that, that's a story for another day. 
goes on to say data centers are not only repositories of knowledge, they are also major energy users, a factor that Marletti and Mercury addressed in this design. Now, folks, this tower, this drawing here, this is an artist rendering of what the Italian designer's proposed tower would look like from the outside. It looks like some futuristic sci-fi version of some castle in uh, Lord of the Rings. Um, seriously. I mean, if, they, if this goes up in your neighborhood, uh, I'd suggest it's probably time to move. It goes on to say the data center was created with Iceland in mind, which gives it potential for use by both United States and European companies. It can be powered by hydropower and geothermal energy, and Iceland's proximity to the Arctic Circle means natural cooling will play a big role. Yeah, okay, so how do we want to uh, save the climate and the planet? Let's build a giant sci-fi data center in the middle of uh, Iceland. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now you wonder why they're going to steal all the land in the 30 by 30 scam that Jim was talking about. You think that they're actually going to keep those rainforests free of people, the oceans free of fishing so that they could trade that natural world on the stock market and so they could use that to hold out carbon credits. So they're probably going to plow it all down and build data centers. They're probably going to start floating barges all over the ocean. They're already running all their fiber lines and everything else under the water. It's disgusting. This is disgusting. This is the first world for you. I mean, you should be very upset by this, folks. What a scam operation. That's the grift. The grift is they're making you believe they're going to save the planet when, in fact, they're completely destroying it while trying to hijack it. These God-wannabe psychopaths, these pirates, these hijackers, these hackers, and these thieves are trying to steal the world. They're trying to hijack the natural world and humanity. And in the process, they're going to destroy it because the only way to hack it is to store all their data and process and analyze it. What a disgusting, disgusting mess. So says, quote, data centers are very complex buildings. They are continuously in evolution, end quote, Merletti said. The design is conceived, quote, as a giant 3D motherboard, end quote, on which components can be installed, updated, and changed. Beautiful. Beautiful. What a good... If I went to school, I did go to school for design. If I, if I designed this... I hope my parents would take me out behind a dumpster and, and put me down like a wild dog. It goes on to say, the building has a modular cylindrical design. The servers are in pod units with 24 pods to a floor. They are moved by an automated handling system. The pods can be moved to the ground floor where technicians would service and maintain them. The inside basically looks like a cylindrical elevator, folks. With all these, I don't know if you've ever been in a hotel that has those cylindrical elevators that are stuck to the inside of the lobby and they go up and down. Well, there's those all over the place, all right? And they move up and down. They can come down to the ground floor. The pod concept is inspired by the car towers, at the Autostad in Wolfsburg, Germany, new cars made by Volkswagen are moved temporarily into towers that automate the storage process. On a smaller scale, the towers invoke a design not unlike the Apple Mac Pro Tower, Merletti said. The data tower, as with a radiator, is designed to have the maximum contact service with the outside. Uh, the pods hooked on to the circular structure of the tower form a series of 
vertical blades. The air inside the tower is hotter than the air outside, quote, so in a natural way, this condition created a chimney effect, end quote, Merletti said, quote, the hot air inside the tower goes up and sucks the cold air from the outside. The outside cold air to enter is obliged to pass through the pods and in this way cools the servers, end quote. Some of this heat is captured to warm other parts of the building, as well as to supply heat to nearby greenhouses. I mean, they have to have the greenhouses there, folks. I mean, to make this sustainable, we've got to grow some GMO lettuce down the street. It says the data tower can be built at a height of 50 meters. The tower that the architects designed for the Evolo contest shows what the structure might look like at 300 meters in height or approximately 65 floors. The large libraries of the past were built often enough with majestic designs that reflected their importance in society. As data centers become repositories of all our culture and knowledge, quote, we must not ignore them, end quote, Merletti said. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Let me show that picture one time, more time to you folks over at pain.tv slash gold. This is it. The Tower of Mordor or something. Uh, gosh, it, it looks... It's a cylinder with literally panels stuck all over it. It looks like lightning should be shooting out of it. And uh, Lucifer himself should be walking out on the front and just beheading people as they walk by. This is it. This is the dream of the future from a couple of Italian designers, ladies and gentlemen. This is it. Data centers. The pride of our culture, where we store all of our knowledge and our history. How about we just go back to storing it in our heads? Ladies and gentlemen, seriously, this is it. As I said, the heart and brain of the technocracy. Now, what's up next, folks? What's up next? Finally, we're going to wrap this up on these uh, innovative data center designs. So, you know, we have the warehouses. We have the underground. We have the barges. We have the skyscrapers. And now, finally, I mean, this would not be a complete discussion unless we brought in space, you know, because we haven't destroyed the planet enough. We now have to go up and start launching data centers in space. We've already got them in Antarctica. Why not space, ladies and gentlemen? When I get back, let me tell you about that. I'm going to clear my desk real quick of some data center maps I want to share with you. And then we're going to have a quick chat with Glenda on Yuval Noah Harari and data and see what information she can provide us with. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dust to Gold with the Dust to Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dust and Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. 